good day, wonderful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing amazing. We've got an exceptional episode of the show for you today. We have Travis Corcoran on, and we are talking about his book, Restoring Reason Using Ancient Arts to Defend Against Modern Manipulation. We talk about the trivium, Travis's diverse education and background, the power of writing, training the quality of your mind, exploring the trivium, uh, minding the appeal to authority, scientism, uh, why persuasion doesn't use logic, uh, the fight, flight, or freeze response, why there is hope, uh, MK Ultra, why the government always fails, collectivism versus individualism, and so much more. This is a phenomenal episode. I know that you're going to enjoy it, and if you do, please share it far and wide. Uh, consider becoming a member at mapbelair.com to get access to exclusive content. You can also get it for free or use it as a Patreon. If you want it for free, just hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com. I'll happily get that out to you if you want to explore some of the programs and working with me go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching there's a zen athlete program the quantum heart hypnosis the soul compass course all of it's really just designed to help you get very clear on what is the most important thing in your life and then using all of these peak performance and spirituality tools to create and manifest that reality over time in the you know most joyous pursuit and process possible so you don't just hate your life as you're trying to you know achieve your goals which takes a very long time so that's it guys um as always the best way to support the show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world and um let's just come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in wherever you are in the world to stop what you're doing taking a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell muscle and fiber of your being with the joy peace contentment faith courage power and get ready to enjoy this phenomenal episode with travis corcoran Hello and welcome to the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. If you want to support this show, please go over to mattbelair.com and become a member for exclusive content, for also backed up episodes and um, the episodes I can't share on YouTube. Um, but the best thing you can do to support this show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is an author, philosopher, and liberal arts enthusiast helping people pursue a self-taught education in critical thinking using the ancient philosophy of the trivium. His latest book, Restoring Reason, using ancient uh, liberal yeah. arts to defend against modern manipulation, demonstrates examples that can improve at least four areas of your life by applying these principles. Welcome to the show, Dr. Travis Corcoran. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And by the way, I am really looking forward to this. You do so many podcasts when you do a book, but uh, our little pre-chat before has already got me kind of like <laughs> excited just to have uh, a, a discussion with like-minded person who's like equally curious about everything. Oh man. Well, yeah, I'm excited about this too. You know, I, I really shortened the bio there. Your book seems uh, amazing and it's perfect for the times. Um, you go into the trivium, which I'm excited to have a guest on because everyone that's um, dove in deep into that subject has, has spoke so highly of it and I have yet to do so. So I'm excited for you to chat about that and your book and, and everything you're working on. But do you want to give us a, a little background about your life journey to what brought you to writing that book and the work you're doing today? Uh, I'll keep it brief, man, because I'm, I'm really excited to talk with you, to be honest. I got some other things to bring up that you might shed some light on. But uh, in, in short, what got me to write this book, uh, I, I have a pretty diverse or uh, my education kind of went all over the place. I was very lucky in that way. 
course, it didn't make much sense to my parents. Like, why, why are you studying, getting a degree in philosophy or we well, studied this or that um, uh, doctorate in chiropractic and philosophy or chi- doctorate in chiropractic. I also studied nuclear engineering in the Navy. So it's kind of all over the place, healthcare, math, physics, philosophy, and uh, I minored in biology. So I, I'm just interested in everything. Uh, my biggest interest is, I think a lot like you, I want to understand things. I feel good when I get an understanding. And I know that that's what people love. They, people want certainty. And that I think sometimes they too quickly settle on a belief that they don't validate and uh, just carry on with that. And then they defend it with their ego. I like an actual true understanding that conforms to reason. And so that's my background. What got me to write the book was, um, you may have heard of it, like there was a small little lockdown a couple of years ago <laughs> or a while back. And watching the rhetoric back and forth and the understanding and um, censorship is at an all-time high, censorship from high levels, it really got me thinking that uh, now's the time to, yeah, I, I would like to see reason restored to discussions that that people don't have to be censored just because there's a disagreement, which to me, censorship is an admission that you, you can't defend your point that you just rather cut the other person's tongue out. And so, yeah, I've been studying this stuff for a long time. The Tribune has been a big hobby and interest of mine. And it was only recently, it was like, yeah, it's, I, this has got to go to other people for too long. I've been recommending, you probably know the book, actually. I've been recommending this book, Matthew, to a lot of people. The Trivium from Sister Miriam Joseph. And this, I'm, I'm going to check that out. You should, man. It is one of the best books. It's my, probably one of my favorite books. And the thing is, it, it, the, the material is so powerful if you can really understand it. But a lot of people just don't find it very sexy because it reads like a kind of a textbook. And because I think our mind has been so distracted and I don't know, I want to say like maybe trained to be short-sighted. So when you look at this material, it's difficult for people today to understand how far reaching an an understanding of your mind, what it can do for you. And um, so I wrote a book that kind of summarized, like it's not, her book is quite, uh, I mean, this is very dry material, but it's very powerful. She never really gets into, she, she goes through these three, the three, those first three of the seven liberal arts very thoroughly. However, the people I'm recommending it to, they want, like most people, what's in it for me? What do I get? And so I just summarize those so that they get a, like a synopsis of the, the trivium or those first three liberal arts, and then went more into why it would be appropriate for you, what it can do for you, how it would be of value to your life. And things you should watch out for that you've taken possibly as um, replacements for understanding. And that's what, that's what really motivated me to write that book. I want everyone to have this, what I would call a superpower uh, because certainly the, there's a class of people that they do study this. Uh, If you're familiar with John Taylor Gatto's work, which I'm certain you are, he makes it very clear that like upper echelon 0.0001% they, this, that is their, this is their entire education. What, what they do is simply read, write, and debate. 
and then read, write, and debate again and again and again. Why? Because reading is the best way. That's like embraces the first liberal art. Reading is one of the best ways to acquire knowledge because you do it without someone else's voice or influence. It's in your own voice. You can be more creative when, as you're acquiring the knowledge, right? You're free. And then they write, write, read, write, and debate. Write is the best way to really express the second liberal art because you have to structure your statements and arguments and claims in a way that conforms to reason if you want them to have any weight or be true. And then debate is the best way to practice the third liberal art, your rhetorical skills or wisdom, how well you express that knowledge and understanding. And that's why the upper, they're masters of this. And those first three liberal arts deal with the quality of mind. The, the last four of the seven classical liberal arts, that those deal more with quantity of the environment that the mind finds itself in. So if there was one thing that I think people would benefit most from is cultivating and nurturing and exercising the quality of your mind. Because if you're not doing it, just like your body, right? If you don't exercise, it begins to atrophy. It's, it's not as of, of much value. But when you nurture it, exercise it, cultivate it, it becomes of more value. And so the reasoning is, if we logically played this out, you want to bet, most people want a higher quality of life. And so what they do is buy all these superficial cosmetic things that they think will make their life better instead of under this understanding that the quality of your life is dependent, 100% dependent on the quality of your actions and decisions. And those decisions the quality of your decisions depends on the quality of your mind and the ability to think clearly and not be enslaved by your emotions or be manipulated and leveraged and pushed around. That's the, I, that's a huge long answer of why I wrote the book. But. Well, I love it. And, and it's a great response to what you observed going on and it gives people a practical tool. So, you know, you talk about defending against manipulation. Well, you're correct where we're being conditioned. We're being trained to be very short sighted, uh, trained to be unhealthy, trained to yeah. just only process intellect from authority, which is like rote memorization. And yeah. I've looked at, you know, the work of, uh, I think John Taylor Gatto, is that his, his full name? Yeah. yeah. You know, he spoke about it highly. And now um, with my wife being a teacher, seeing what's been going on the last few years, and it's not like we're um, accelerating and growing. It's it's almost this um, opposite. What, what's a proper word for that? De-evolution? Is that that? that uh, like retro, like we're in retrograde. Yeah, we're like atrophying, right? We're not growing. Oh. We're, we're going in the opposite direction you'd think we'd be going. And so the other thing is too about manipulation the their ability to do it like back in the day there's a great documentary called century of self uh, about edward bernays and this talked about uh him you know using all these psychological tools on the masses to manipulate for a variety of different things and so when we don't understand that that's being used against us uh we we don't know how to defend against it when i learned hypnosis they would say you know don't share this with everybody because if everybody knows it's not going to work and yeah. i can hear it in advertises i see it in the media and when you're when you're getting fully bombarded all day every day from everywhere and you're not even recognizing that this is influencing you that it can be potentially manipulating you in ways that you don't you wouldn't want to do um, yeah. then you're not going to be able to defend against it. So, you know, this trivium is, is absolutely the answer. And what I've been suggesting for a long time is people just look at the basics of neuro-linguistic programming, because it goes into some of those language patterns that you hear. And once you hear it, you know, oh, okay, 
they want me to make this decision. Is this a decision that I want to make for myself? Because otherwise, you're not going to be aware it's happening and you're going to be a lot more susceptible to uh, that influence, just like in the same way for mixed martial arts. If I know how to put an arm bar on you or, or all these different moves, you're basically toast if, if, we, if I yeah. grab you with my hands. But if you know what I'm doing, you're perfectly fine. So knowledge is definitely power. So I'd love for you to share a little bit, either comment on that or go into a little bit of this synopsis of Trivium, because I think you did that, but I think there's a few more parts. Yeah, I, well, we're going to be out for a while, but I, first I <laughs> want to say, man, thank you. It's so refreshing to hear someone like do this. I do that same thing. I love uh, relating um, this like mental aspect or psychological to physiological and what you said about the example with the you know mixed martial arts or armbar. And <clears throat> like I talked about at the beginning, everyone feels better when they have a little bit of certainty. Uh, they feel safe. And like someone who's highly skilled at say martial arts, they certainly feel more confident and safe in more environments than someone who's not well-trained. And now we live in a very, very intellectual environment or us a mental environment. And there are mental predators everywhere, everywhere. And what you said too, the attack is, I also agree with this. I'm glad you brought it up. The attack is from everywhere, all angles, all institutions that we don't even, we're not even conscious of anymore. It's like sub threshold. And so you wouldn't even think, like you said, ah, you're just toast. Yeah. And most people seem to be okay with that because that same system that's dumbing them down has given them all these reassurances that someone will be there to protect them. I also love that you addressed uh, appeal to authority. That That is one of the, let's just simply I, it's like admission. I can't think for myself. I need an expert. Yeah, but what did the what capacity of mind do these experts have that I don't have? I simply need the same knowledge they have, basically like input, and that would be like the first liberal art. So I'll try and combine this with a synopsis like you asked for the liberal arts. But that first liberal art, knowledge or a ledger of what we know, is just data. It's input. And that can be acquired... Mostly it's empirically inquired when you're, when you're born into the world. It's only experiences, five senses. It's very much empirical data. And then the baby from birth till seven or nine years of age, it is just tagging like labels to these things. Like, oh, this sensation is hunger. That person is daddy, right? And so you're just building a knowledge base or a database so who is an expert? An expert, they, maybe they have a bit more of a knowledge base than you. However, we, this like, I don't know, belief or faith that that, that knowledge is correct is very dangerous, right? Because knowledge can be, you and I could have a lot of knowledge, but what if all that knowledge was incorrect? We still have a lot of knowledge. The quantity is huge. Oh, I have all this knowledge. But what, what about the quality? Is it correct? That's, that's what that first liberal arts all about. And the second liberal art, this is where the real, in my, my opinion, this is my opinion, uh, is logic. The second liberal art, that's where the real power is, because this is a systematic, um, reliable, stable means of checking claims or arguments. It's a series of statements and how those statements are structured. Do they, are the premises true? Do they contradict one another? Are they consistent? Are they relevant? Right. And that is where 
to me, like it seems in the world, an expert is simply someone who's wrote memor wrote memorization, they oh, high grades, blah blah blah. They just had a lot of knowledge and they demonstrated it. To me, someone I trust is someone who can process that information. And that's what the second liberal art is, processing. So if we put it in millennial terms, it'd be first liberal art input, second processing. And then the third is output, or as it's traditionally called, wisdom or rhetoric. And that, uh, unfortunately, is not really concerned with being correct or being true. Rhetoric is concerned with effectiveness. And we have a lot of politicians who are very effective. We have journalists who are effective. They are effective at what they express or communicate. And that's very dangerous when what they express or communicate is either incorrect or untrue. And it seems like that's the case more often than not when I'm listening to any legacy media journalist or some Hollywood person giving me their opinion or a politician enforcing policies. And then anyone that disputes it or and disputes it with reason that conforms it's valid, deductively valid or inductively strong. Now, no, it, but it's a disagreement with the authority. So that gets censored. So rhetoric is. I think it's really important. I, I just wish more people like this is why I work on it myself and yourself. It's important for us if the knowledge we have is correct and true and it benefits humanity and there's right, then the better we get at communicating that and the better the people we communicate to, we can pass that on. Then we have a much better chance to stand up to this, yeah, I would say malicious narrative that doesn't really have our best interests at heart. Yeah, absolutely. And it would be great if uh, everybody wanted this kind of education. What I noticed from the beginning of this and doing research a long time, and then when this started is that nobody was interested in a discussion. You know, of the two years that went on, um, there was no discussion. There was no value or respect from the other side. And they, yeah. they were definitely not using the trivium because you need, you know, to test your theory um, through conversation and debate to see yeah. if it holds up, to see if it's valuable. Because if you give me a new piece of information that makes everything that I just thought was invalid, um, then that's great because I've learned something. I apply something similar. I wonder if you've ever heard of this called the formula for truth. And my guests or listeners have heard of this many times, but the idea is like, there's two polar opposites, right? Um, God is real. God isn't real. Um, flat earth, round earth, uh, COVID is the deadliest thing of all time, or it's not so, so whatever it's the polar opposite. You got mm -hmm. X and Y axis in the zero and 90. Well, when you are conversing with somebody, if you're already, you know, you already have your worldview, you already have your information. And so most people are just looking to protect their 45 degrees of information, if you imagine it on two sides, rather than seeking understanding from the other individual. So when you seek understanding, you open up to 45 degrees of information from to their entire worldview, and maybe at like 98 degrees, you get a little speck. Right. And you're like, oh, you know what? That is valid. Okay. I learned that. And when you do yeah. that with every single person you meet, you're going to see the quality of information. Right. Because they're just, you know, they're deflecting, they're using logical fallacies. You know, it's like, that's not a very strong argument. It's not a very um, persuasive argument. Then you go to the other side and somebody is, you know, can provide references, is very persuasive, has, uh, you know, examples. And I, again, I see this in the martial arts all the time where, 
you know, MMA has kind of been the proving ground for this is like, okay, we would test something, but will it work if I'm out in the real world and somebody does not want me to do that? Some of these, you know, uh, Steven Seagal flashy throws and stuff like that. Well, you know, is this going to work when I'm out there? Because if it doesn't, and somebody resists that, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm on the ground getting my, my butt kicked, it, w- <laughs> it, it, it was great in theory. And maybe it's even fun in practice when the person participates, but in the real world application, Will it work? And that's what the UFC figured out. What was the most practical and effective tool? Now we're we're in the mindset. It's defending the ego. And many people aren't ready to let go of their worldview. Right? 100%. I love what you said. I had to say, man, I love, dude, we are like soulmates, bro. (laughs) I got to say, I love what you're talking about right now. I had a similar, I like that though. Uh, about the testing ground this and again you're the reference you're making to something physical and i always give try to give physical examples because when we're discussing as you probably know you're talking about the mind it's a it's a non-local phenomenon it's not a physical thing the brain is but the mind is it's not physical so it's difficult for people to really understand at times but it 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 does have an anatomy it does have components like ego memory uh archetype subconscious conscious and it just like the physical body has anatomy heart lungs muscles and they all work together and they have you have these parts and they have functions the physical body has parts and functions and the mental part has parts and functions and so i always talk just like you do and it's interesting ufc very much so they put this was the testing ground right but you also brought up something i've been talking about lately too and that is and I talk about in the book too, is that one of the things or one of the hurdles, obstacles that keeps us from cultivating and nurturing our mind is, and luckily this doesn't happen physiologically, but in the mind, we get distracted. We replace thought with emotion. And it was what you're saying is like these emotions and these biases <clears throat> appeal besides appeal to authority, which we've already addressed. Appeal to emotion has got to be one of the most powerful weapons against us. And people have been convinced that the conviction bias, if they feel strongly enough about something, that's enough. It's true. And they'll defend that conviction and not really check it out. I love that example you're saying about the, the under, I say this all the time. I just told one of my associates, like, it's the same answer from me all the time. If you're asking me to solve a problem, what the answer to a problem is, it'll always be understanding that's where it's going to come, come from. Right. But more to the testing ground in this battle arena, dude, I think you're going to like this, Matthew. That for me, this is an example of society right now. Uh, someone showed me one of these shows. It was a, like battle bots, I think, or something. I can't remember. But they oh, had, is that like, when the robots go and fight each yeah, other? And the solar- yeah. I, I love that. <laughs> okay. I, I'd never seen this. I thought it was so interesting. Uh, I'm glad. Good. We have a frame of reference. I'd never seen this, but I was fascinated because you had two teams of engineers uh, and I don't know if it's coincidence wearing red shirts and blue shirts. So very like you can see this political thing already, like an allusion to that. They're not in the ring themselves. They're controlling what's in the ring and what they've put in the ring. Each team, they've each put in a concept, an engineering design concept. And basically they're going to combat. And what we're going to find is. Um. Well, what happened was 
they fight and there's a win and the losers mope around and the winners celebrate their trophy. And all the focus was about this emotional win loss and everything was about the trophy or the reward, this material reward and this ego and pride. And I'm watching this going, this is like the perfect, um, how do I say, like metaphor for society, because what we should be doing is you put two con two engineering concepts in there. And we've basically seen which one is the superior concept, the superior engineering design. And so both teams should really be celebrating. Hey, we both put some, I wasn't in the ring. I put a concept forward and the weaknesses were revealed. Yes, no, boo hoo hoo, emotions come over. Instead of celebrating, there has been, we both have, both teams now have a greater understanding of which concept is superior. Imagine it was ideologies politically. Okay, which one is superior? Which one stands up to the rigor, the intellectual rigor, or the which one conforms to reason, is deductively valid, passes all the tests, and then both teams are the winner because both are the wiser for it. But we've lost respect for understanding, and we we now like go for the gold, or you know, and that's what I th when you were bringing up the UFC, I was like, God, that is just like that, man. Well, and, that's. So yeah, that's a, a great comment. You know, uh, I had Joyce Anastasia on yesterday and she helped me redefine competition, which I was aware of through martial arts. So she said the original meaning of competition is a rivalry where two or more parties strive for a common goal, which cannot be shared. So you're getting better in martial arts. We see it as iron sharpens iron. And you look yeah. at the Olympics and you see one country kicking your butt and you think, how did they do that? everybody gets getter, uh, uh, better together. And the reason why I wrote Zen Athlete years ago was I thought there was a way to influence kids very powerfully through sport, teaching them peak performance and mindset tools under the guise of sport because they'd want to get better. But one of the big ideas from that is like, when you go to children's sports, it should be about bringing communities together, bringing teams together. So, you know, let's say LeBron James misses the game winning shot and he's whole happy and complete in who he is. Then he invites the over, other team over for a barbecue in their city. It's like, yeah, you want to win and you're going to be disappointed when you give everything to it. Um, but yeah. again, you see this in the UFC as well. And that's why I like the champions who, you know, hold that martial arts honor. Um, it is about growth, you know, within the self, but how do we bring that in community? And when you're traveling yeah. and doing games as kids, it's not about crushing the other town, the other city. And so how do you join that city together? How do you make more friends connect to your community? That's what sport can do, but competition can really rise um, your capabilities and stretch you because somebody's figured out a way to get better. And that's a beautiful thing. And I think um, the other thing I want to bring up was just the idea of, you know, this logic is being replaced with scientism, right? It's just like, you don't mm -hmm. question the white coat. You don't go through your logic. And then the final point I wanted to bring up, I think is very important. When we look at persuasion and hypnosis and getting people to take an action, you are not using logic. Whenever you're using sales, you're using emotion. Whenever you're yeah. using persuasion, it's always emotional. So when you bring up the logic, it's like, it has no power. It has to almost be a choice to go into logic, to go into reason. And if people are set on emotion, it's hard to bring them back down. It has to be a quality of character or person to be even open to that, which yeah. can be really frustrating in these times. hundred percent, man. I love that. That's one, one thing I just can't get over too, is this, um, there's a lot of people that are confused. They think that because they're, they have these emotions that they're actually conducting active thought. But emotions are reactive, they're automatic, which it makes sense is why Edward Bernays and any marketer, politician, whatever. I mean, if I want to 
manipulate your mind or influence you in some way, the shortcut and easiest way is really to approach you on some emotional level, either like make you afraid of something, or if I want to elicit a reaction, get you angry, or if I want to sell you something, hey, man, I really love that background, whatever compliment. Emotion is the quickest way to really get real estate in someone's mind. And you've been talking a lot about hypnotism, NLP, man, I, I really recommend people read into that stuff. I don't practice those things, but I've read extensively on those so that I can be defended against it. When I hear it, I know what's being thrown at me, right? I know when to step back and I wish more people would do that because they really are. I don't want to say, I used to say this all the time, Matthew, I was like, oh, people are so ruled by emotion, but the truth is they're ruled by the people eliciting their emotion, right? It's the ideologies, institutions, and individuals that elicit their emotion that are controlling them. And the only way to really fight back or defend yourself is to develop this, like, and just, I'm sure just like MMA, uh, these skills, they don't come overnight, right? You're not going to read some, like, here's the five quick steps or the 10 ancient secrets. And like Monday morning, you're like bullet intellectually bulletproof. That's not the case. Um, it takes development and people don't understand emotions. Um, and that's why I called the book restoring reason. It's not, I want to replace emotions. That's impossible. Like is emotions are automatic and I'm glad we have them, but they are reactionary, emotional reactions, thoughtful responses. And you said a big word there. You said, thinking is a choice. It's a choice. People have to choose this. Um, to have an emotional reaction, there is no choice. You just have it. The only choice you have is how well you can mitigate or manage it afterwards. And that comes on back to understanding. Do you understand why you had it, how it was elicited, why it's coming up, right? Only until people can figure out these are two different things. Thoughts and emotions are not the same thing. They have different functions. They're both important but it's like heart and lungs. They're not the same thing, but it's two physical components, but they have different function just because they're both physical. Doesn't mean they're the same. And so many people in our world today really think thought and emotion, they, they conflate the two. They can't distinguish them apart, but they, they are definitely different with different functions, just me different mental components. Yeah, absolutely. And during these last couple of years, I've never really paid attention to politics except for recently. <laughs> and I don't <laughs> like them. Uh, but you can see there's been no debate. There's been no debate anywhere with anything. And the reason being, if there was one, one side would get decimated. It just, there's, you know, there's, you, yeah. you, you can pick through just the, the fraud and the manipulation and the coercion so quick with somebody who is knowledgeable and who can answer the questions in a very logical, reasonable way that can be verified. There has been absolutely no debate on any of this, um, you know, since the beginning. And so I'm curious your, your suggestion for, you know, the individual, I think there's been a lot of us out there who have been doing the research, who want to figure out solutions to what's going on, who see, Hey, well, if we implement this, this is going to harm a certain set of people. And your reasoning for doing that is not sound and it's not logical. And, and I'm, I'm the one getting harmed. So yeah. 
you know, it would be nice to have them at the table. It's almost how do you defend against the emotional, angry mob? You're sitting there kind of defending. You're open to a conversation where you know it's likely if they could open their minds, open their hearts, and just listen for a second, they could find the reason, but they're not choosing to because the emotional is almost taken over. And it, that seems to be one of the viruses is this emotional virus. And that's how people end up doing things that they wouldn't normally do is they're set on emotion. They're not thinking it through and they haven't really processed what's going on. They're just reactive. Yeah. And some of them don't want, um, some of them don't want to because, well, first the mob, there's not much you can do against the mob. Our only hope is really on an individual basis because once mob mentality takes over, you're not talking to a person. You're trying to communicate with a collective that has lost their mind and refuses logic and reason. And that's impossible. They feel strong because they have numbers which they don't understand. The strength is in the actual argument or the, the claim and the reasoning behind it. And you can um, observe the mob mentality in the individual uh, that you're speaking with. If you open up, I've seen it over and over where either a piece of propaganda will come in or the mob mentality answer comes in where there's no logic, yeah. the logical fallacy. And it's interesting because it just comes out of left field, you know, and it's like, yeah. oh, that's been planted in the ether for them to just yeah. say, but they can't defend it, right? And so yeah. it just- Yeah, they've been crazy. given all their, it's like, in movies and sitcoms and all that stuff, they do it very subtly. They provide you with all the like quirky like responses or I would say replies, you know, that, that deflects, you know, I, I'm not going to answer. I'm just going to brush you off. It's re- honestly, it's really fight or flight. Some people, their, their mind is so weak. They never really want to cultivate it. They're just so into their emotions that it, it creates the moment they hear something that contradicts their belief, correct or incorrect, true or false, the moment they hear something that contradicts it, if they're not a strong thinker, calm and rational, it immediately creates a sympathetic stress response. And when sympathetic stress response goes up, it's either fight or flight. And most people, um, it depends on that individual. I know a lot of people, they just want to avoid it. So they have a, they've developed a lot of mechanisms to avoid it. Um, they'll, it's like, Hey, Matthew, just do your own research. Oh, you're not educated. I just want to dismiss you. I want to be dismissive of you and not attack you. The other side, the fight, the fight response is you're a bigot or whatever, any of the phobes or Nazi, everyone you disagree with me, you're a Nazi, right? Like begin attacking the person. And Justin when it gets Trudeau, to... <laughs> sorry to get you up, but I remember with the trucker convoy because I went down for that and, yeah, you know, yeah. I wanted to see and, and Trudeau literally called everybody there, all of them. He didn't leave. Yeah. One, he literally called all of them. And I was there in uh, real time. And and I, it was like Canada Day mixed like with the festival and Burning Man. So nice. The friendliest people just asking all just kindness, compassion. It was a wonderful time. I observed that in real life. And a friend of mine is arguing with me on Twitter about what it was without even being there. You know, you just see this like huge uh, discrepancy of knowledge, right? Because they just, they're just so fed into what's going on. Yeah, man. It's that Trudeau fit. Oh my God. That, like, <laughs> dude, what a case. That guy's a great case study in like deception and manipulation. But there's some, back to that, that mob and how it, why they're so powerful. It's like, it's like, um, again, I'll do the same thing. We, we keep going with this theme of like physical and psychological. So just like we have, there are people that have physical addiction to drugs or chemicals, right? They're, they're really addicted to something physically. Mentally, it's the same thing. And when people get outraged, 
right? Or angry, like the angry mob. Anger like gives you energy. Like your blood pressure goes up. You can get addicted to that feeling, right? So people seek that. That's why right now, I'm sure you see it too. Even in the absence of like victims and oppressors, this angry mob will find, they will create victims and oppressors because they need the hit. They need to be the hero. They need that. I got to be outraged and angered because it creates a certain internal chemistry or environment that's very addictive, right? There's just something about that. Fear and anger like create all these like endorphins in your body where for you and I, you see like the more, the more logical side, we don't have a big voice. We're not like outraged. We, the feelings we get are not so much fear and anger, but which give people energy. What we experience is more likely disappointment and frustration, which it lowers your energy. Right? But, but that's where we started anyway, with calm and collective. And then when you observe these things, oh, that's, boy, that's frustrating. That's disappointing. Yeah, we don't get this elevated, these hits of endorphins that keep us, um, I don't want to say that we've lost our minds. I'm not, I want to insult the other side, but when your mind is no longer an individual one, but part of this mob mentality or collective, you really have lost it. Mm, yeah, it's giving your your mind over to the Borg kind of idea, right? Rather yeah. than being an independent critical thinker, because you give it over to authority, right? Oh, well, yeah. they do my thinking, you know, it yeah. started with, well, you're not a doctor, so you don't know anything, but I can look at the statistics and, and you know, use my own, you know, critical factors to look at a variety of different things and take everyone's opinion and yeah. see, you know, okay, great. You're saying this, can you prove it? Right. So yeah. uh, can you, can you show me the actual numbers? Um, and then there's the idea that like, okay, you've got the mob mentality, but when you kind of, you're just like giving every decision to something else rather than looking at it, analyzing it in your own brain and, and coming up with an answer. But the problem is it gets bigger and bigger, broader and broader. So you don't look yeah. at anything, you know, at right. all. Right. Anyone that I had a debate with during this entire time, um, they didn't know how the PCR test functioned or who invented it. Not one person. Everybody hmm. on the uh, other side who done re- knows exactly who invented it, what he said about it, knows how it works. And uh, so you have like you have knowledge there. You have understanding there. You have reason there. And it can be incredibly challenging. And I'm curious from your perspective, as you see this you know, mob grow in the last couple of years. And you can see it in the politics where I also hosted a law summit. And what I learned is that they will never answer a question. The more corrupt a person is, they will never answer a question because it, it creates a liability. So yeah. if you look at the Canadian politics, it's an absolute joke. No question is ever answered because they're deflecting everything and they're just railroading an agenda. And yeah. if you don't like it, then, uh, you know, you're a racist, homophobe, you know, all of those things going on. You know, you have to be a biologist now to know the difference between a man or a woman. That's, <laughs> that's in 2022, all of a sudden, right? And so yeah. I was like, oh, geez, like, yeah, I got to go to school for six years to know, you know, um, you know, Dave yeah. Chappelle said it best. He goes, every person here passed through the legs of a woman, you know, yeah. now your identity and all that kind of stuff that they're bringing into it, it just muddies the water to kind of yeah. get back to clarity and um, understanding and also compassion too. But we need to have an open conversation and there needs to be an, another side that's able to speak. But like you said, is that famous quote, uh, you, don't, you don't stop a man by, you know, I don't know, 
cutting off his tongue that one you, oh yeah yeah cutting out his tongue yeah yeah so there's a so that one it's like in a debate right it's like well you can't you rebut so you cut out his tongue it doesn't mean you win and that's what's been happening here we want to yeah. restore that so that you know if a person has a preference to do certain things they're able to have those preferences if you have a different preference you're allowed to have that preference that's what freedom is but we're not we're not in that trajectory we're actually in the opposite you know you start to control the thoughts what people can say and then we're moving into 1984 orwellian where it's literally upside down world two plus two is five yeah. and not yeah. only are they not satisfied with you saying it's five you have to believe it and that's why that mo that movie and that book are so dark because it's like no 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 you know what i mean it you uh, you better believe it you can't just say it you have yeah. to believe it. And this, if people think that's not possible, it is. And if you get into weird stuff with the uh, MK ultra and stuff like that, yeah. how amazing we can be manipulated through all the variety of factors is extraordinary, but I am optimistic at coming back to our power and knowing that that kind of influence and mob mentality, isn't going to be the overarching thing. Cause that's not who we naturally are. I think we're more compassionate. Yeah. We're more wise. We're more caring, but once you instill fear in the emotional side, mm -hmm. all of that stuff kind of goes out of the window and it takes a back seat. Agreed, man. And uh, you hit on quite a few things there, man. There's so much I want to comment on. We, we, we have to do this again, to be honest. Um, but uh, I, I have hope too. And one of the, I heard this, you probably have too, that is that if there was no hope or it was all like, it's, it's, it's done, right? There's, there's no chance. Then there wouldn't be such an incredible necessity for all this propaganda. If, the, if there was no hope and we could just all just throw in the towel, then there wouldn't be a necessity for all this constant propaganda. The, the, the co-op of every single major institution that takes up a good percentage of the real estate in our mind, every one of them has been co-opted and they are all pushing the same thing and they have to keep doing it. The way I see it is like, yeah, I, I really look up, I look to nature for a lot of answers because nature's never messed up. It has no prejudice. It just, it's always seeking balance. That's what nature does. It has one direction. So if I put like a, basketball, football, soccer ball, I push it under the water to keep it there. That's unnatural. It would float on the surface. But to keep it there, you have to keep pressure on it. You have to keep exerting energy. And that's just what is happening now, I think. Intellectually, they have to keep the pressure on. Because if they even let up for a moment, humanity will just, boom, come right to the surface. We'll come right into balance. It's like this has to be this zeitgeist has to have constant energy put into it to maintain it. They can't let up for a moment. I love that. That's the best analogy I have heard so far about what's going on. And I've heard that before about the, the propaganda and, and the clamping down and just using yeah. every tool that they have to make this work. And so that's a really uh, just a very beautiful Example, I've, I've looked up the quote while you're speaking there. It says, uh, when you tear at a man's tongue, you are not proving him a liar. You're only telling the world that you fear what he might say. And that's from George R. Martin. And I feel like there's a, a few similar ones to that. And and so as it seems to be this polarization and it is, yeah, the idea of like giving your mind over willfully and how far will that lead you? How, how far will you go before you decide to think for yourself? It's that old analogy. If your friends jump off a bridge, would you do it too? Well, that's the same mob mentality. People aren't taking accountability for their own research, uh, their own critical thinking. 
Um, they're just kind of going along because they want the world to to go where it was. They want it, they want it yeah. to go back to normal and they're willing to participate, but they also yeah. can't imagine people have nefarious intent. And so as yeah. um, your research help people really understand like making peace in some capacity with nefarious intent. That's one that I've always, I continue to struggle with. I, I think, why am I human? And, you know, I'm here and or a man, I don't know, human is apparently hue of a man. If you go into uh, the law dictionary, but why am I man on this earth witnessing so much suffering? You know, we got yeah. all of these genocides. None of this makes sense. Yeah. I don't think that people are naturally like this. What the flying F is going on and how right. do I not be heartbroken when I'm observing the harm? And, and it really irritates me and makes me, you know, infuriated when I see someone architecting it and then the harm come out. Right. Especially when it's on children, other things. And it, it takes me a while to make peace with it. And so I'm just curious your view on, on this kind of sliding scale of what's going on here. To, um, to be really honest, Matt, Matt, I, I struggle with that too. Like these malevolent uh, individuals uh, who, who most of them remain pretty hidden. I think a lot of the people we see are just like really puppets, to be honest. But I often think what's right. Can I, you know, cause all the gurus and spiritual gurus. I talk a little bit about that in the book too, that we need to be careful of all of them as well. Um, not that there's good elements in there, but I struggle with that too. Like what's, what's right. What do I, how, what's the best way to approach these nefarious or malevolent people? How did it get that way? How did they get my current idea is, and, and I'm always open to changing. I just need reason. right? But currently my thoughts are, it comes from the most absolute, like an, an absolute insecurity. I can't think of any other reason that you would want to have so much control, power, and influence other than to be completely isolated, insulated from damage or harm or whatever. And that's all I can think. I, I don't know. That's just where my conjecture goes now is that it's a deep, deep and profound insecurity. And that's why they just can't stand an opposing voice. They can't stand anything that's in their way. And that the more, um, I don't want to say not even money, but money, power, influence, protection, um, just to be completely insulated, living in another world where they, they have nothing to fear. I think it is all driven by insecurity. I don't know. But I, I, I'm plagued with those same questions that you have. And like, I think about those a lot, really. Or something yeah. else you're talking too. I I'd love to mention this. Yeah, go ahead. So talking about quotes and what you were saying, like you and I, like you were saying earlier, people really need to make the choice and think for themselves, and apply reason and logic, and not just be going to this belief system or scientism, which is like a, just another religion, just uses technical words, I suppose, but it's really belief and faith, right? And you're just believing what the collective says or maybe social conformity, appeal to authority, whatever it is. But you have not drawn the conclusion yourself. So that's not to say you, it's, that's what it was. You said something about individual choices, individual thoughts. Well, the thing is, too, some people get so confused that they think, well, if Matthew and Travis, we have the same conclusion, the same thoughts about something, that suddenly we're a collective and can't think for ourselves. But it's very possible a lot of people come to an agreement on something. What makes them an individual is not 
um, everyone has to have their own unique opinion about what two plus two is or how to handle some political problem. What's important is not that we have these different ideas to be individual, but that we all drew them through our own understanding. And that reminds me, like my favorite quote from Mikhail Bakunin, he's a Russian uh, philosopher and political critic. I think I can do this pretty good. But he says, the liberty of man consists solely in this, that he himself understands the laws of nature, not because they were given to him or imposed upon him by an external will, mortal or divine, individual or collective. And that really, that is at the crux of everything. That's when you know you're an individual. The liberty of man, of, of one man, his liberty, his freedom, it all rests on that, that you understand, that I understand. The collective believes, and, and you and I can draw the same conclusion. But it's, I'm only free, I only have liberty and intellectual freedom when I've drawn the conclusion myself, not because someone drew it for me, which is what you were referring to earlier, this appeal to authority. Hey, the experts arrived from the religion of scientism and they've bestowed upon us their dogma. Okay, now I have an understanding. No, you do not. It's only when you go through the intellectual rigor yourself, you've laid out the premises and the argument, you understand them, You've drawn that conclusion. You know how the operators of logic work. Just like I say this in the book too. I, you and I probably don't know a single scientist that's worth any value who doesn't understand arithmetic. Like I, you're a chemist or a physicist, biologist, geologist. At the bare minimum to apply the sciences, you must know arithmetic, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. So many people think they're logical, they think they have an understanding, yet they don't know the operators of logic, conjunction, disjunction, conditional, negation, right? Yet they'll sit there with you and I, they'll argue their belief system as if it's true and validated. But when they can't back it up, that's why they go immediately to cut your tongue out or censor you or deflect or dismiss, won't answer your questions, all the rhetorical tactics and strategies we've been talking about or that Trudeau is the ultimate case study for basically. <laughs> yeah. You know, in Canada, I've, I've been telling people that um, we've had a management change, you know, you're working at a store and you get a new manager and that's horrible. Well, Canada has a new manager in dictatorship and we're just getting the memo now through the actions, right? We have this yeah. illusion of a democracy. And I think I've, the solutions are going to come from the people and you're right about um, coming to the conclusions yourself, it, it's there's a huge difference between you know people believing the same thing and why they believe them, right? There's mm -hmm. a reason why all the people on the law summit that I hosted had the same beliefs because they did the research and came to the same conclusions for right. themselves, where the individual is able to articulate that in a way that's going to hold up, it's going to have grounding, it's going to have a foundation, it's going to have yeah. reason and all those things within themselves. It's the mm -hmm. idea of like maybe going out in nature and you know reading some books and you know all these different things, but you go out and you haven't applied any of that knowledge and you don't know how to do it. You need to go a few times to say, okay, you know what? I can go out there with nothing and I can survive for two weeks because I know how to do it. There's a huge discrepancy um, yeah. from that understanding. But what, what the other side seems to be doing is like, okay, well, this guy's going to tell me how, and they're going to set up everything for me. There's my tent and they're going to, they want all the catering. It's kind of like uh, at yeah. Burning Man, people will get up <laughs> when up. 
all the rich people will come the mega mega rich because they'd have like these mega camps and they get there and you know they got yeah. cars ready and everything and like half of the the thing they're saying you're supposed to get there and you're supposed to get in the dirt make it yourself you know contribute something you know not just come in at like a five star all you can eat uh right. vacation it's supposed <laughs> to be a different experience and they and they are i'm not saying it's wrong the way they did it yeah. i would be like that because it's a it's a challenging yeah. place to be but it's a very different experience and you're gonna you're gonna get different things and so it's so important to just think for yourself and then test that and that's what i learned from you know bruce lee in martial arts was he, he would say well one technique for a tall slender man might not work for a short stocky guy you yeah. need to you need to test that for yourself right just because it works for them doesn't mean it's going to work for you you have to express yourself in your own way and in this life we have to make our own path our own wisdom and and try things out and even if we fail that's that's fine it's not the end yeah. of the world but we're gaining wisdom through our experience and it seems like this collective hypnosis is just stuck in the mind and yeah. they're stuck in this matrix which is now literally going into a virtual reality world that people are participating in it's becoming less and less in this physical tangible reasonable world that you can touch yeah. and feel and see and sense into a fully um uh what do you call it like made up world immersive uh yeah illusion the illusion. you know yeah. a full-on a full-on illusion that not even here and i remember seeing this uh little video on youtube where it's like a short skit like a sci-fi and a guy went through his life or whatever and was doing all these different things and then at the end of it it was he was like kind of at war and it was a guy in the corner with like a vr headset on that yeah. was basically, it was so dark and i was like oh goodness like that's <laughs> kind of where people are going and yeah. actually, I want to bring up one more point, because when you're talking about the dopamine hit or all the chemicals that go on in the body, they're addictive. And I do think through TikTok and through Instagram and through all these programs we have, they're training us more and more to move towards these things. So when it's happening in any context in our life, we're, we're getting that uh, manipulation, that uh, physical stimulus to go take an action we may or may not want to do there's a reason yeah. why casinos are set up that way slot machines are set up that way and so this is really having a uh detrimental effect on our kids which we don't even know the power um it's going to have later you know yeah. on, on the population yeah. when they want to go for something man 100 i love what you said about casinos and so, and you talked we talked about this earlier you're bringing up nlp and hypnosis i really nlp especially even if you're not practicing it, it, everyone should study that, man. The use of colors, sounds, words, uh, story. <clears throat> because it, the funny thing is, if you're not studying it, okay, that's your detriment. Because the people that have ideas to sell you or products to sell you that may not be in your best interest, they're studying it like crazy. They are, they are very fluent in this language that's being used against you. And it's not, you don't have to, just because you're studying it doesn't mean you're going to be a bad person and misuse it, but you'd be a fool to not use it in order to defend yourself. I think it's just, personally, I think it's intellectually irresponsible. I love what you said about Bruce Lee too, that, um, that makes a great case for, and G, G. Edward Griffith does a great, um, G. Edward Griffin does a great uh, discussion on this. You can probably find it on YouTube. It's just collectivism versus individualism. And but what you're saying about Bruce Lee, how like, hey, what works for this tall, slender guy may not work for this. That's right. Everything's different per individual. You know, uh, we always want to celebrate like individuality and creativity. Yet, how did so many tribes and collectives form? And that people now want to just buy their identity, 
by their individuality. If I join this group, I'm virtuous, right? Because we stand against whatever, whatever, whatever. If I join this group, I'm a hero. I join this group. We want to be seen a certain way. And so the quickest way to do it, instead of actually being a virtuous person, instead of actually working on who you really are, you just join this group and then it's automatic, right? You're in, right? And And maybe you just... Oh, I'm so afraid that people will see me as an oppressor, right? So I got to join this group. And, and it's all just manipulation. It's ridiculous. But th- this case, though, for individuality, what he's saying there is so true. This will not work on a tall, slender man, may work on that. That's why globalism is such a horrible, horrible thing. Like the smaller the community, the smaller the governance gets, the better off we are, because then the more expression of individuality and the closer we can become to like this natural balance because what works in one nation or even province or city may not be appropriate in one that's uh, in the middle of the desert or one that's on the sea or one that's along the river or one that's high in the uh, mountains what why are we all of us are not fit for one form of rule in fact i would say no people no humans are fit for rule or rulers I mean, I think we're fit for natural law, to be honest. Well, there's endless issues with global governance. Uh, the top ones that come to mind is that, uh, you know, the bigger the governance, the less accountability because they're so yeah. far away. The smaller the community in your household, you're held responsible, right? <laughs> you know, I'm held yeah. responsible in my household. <laughs> um, so right then in my little town, um, you know, there can be more responsibility there being held to the people running it and seeing, okay, is this, is this working for me? Is this going for the culture, right? So if you go to yeah. the mountains in British Columbia, Canada, there's a lot of outdoor activity and things like that. That's the culture and what people want to grow and express and do. People mm. will support nurturing that and growing and like competing in these different ways to make the experiences in the life better, Right. But on the opposite, right, this full tyranny and the, and the whole blanket is like, well, you know, they don't like red. They want blue that, you know, they don't right. Well, let the people who want yeah. blue navigate. Right. So you could live at the beach. You could live in a big city if you like. You can do all yeah. these different things. Every country is so different. Lifestyle is so different. Uh, people's beliefs and how they operate in the world, like their their character. You'll notice in the cities, if you go, we had uh, no more lockdown signs in Canada. The more you go to farming rural communities, the more they would have those signs up, the more you're yeah. in a city the more they they want to be in the matrix but they like the city but it uh, they also are missing um some of this other stuff and i feel like they shut the blinders to this nefarious intent it couldn't be that bad right no. i'm just doing my thing it couldn't be that bad i can't let any of that in right. and so i see a lot of that out there and i'd be curious your two cents if people are like you know you can't focus on the bad and you know it's it's too you know i, I don't think that that's um, Alex Sakaris wrote a book, Why Evil Matters, How Science and Religion Flubbed a Big One. And I feel like it's being aware of the intent, like you spoke about hypnosis. I was going through learning that uh, for a couple of reasons. One, through sports performance, because I was curious about the power of the mind. So I want to use it on myself. But that's yeah. when I learned about persuasion and all these different language patterns and ways you could use and manipulate yeah. people. And then I would notice when people did it in you know, advertising and on TV, and even movies are often one subtle advertisement one subtle message in a whole movie that 99 percent of people totally miss i'm like that's what they were doing that whole entire 
TV show or movie was for that one message that people totally missed because it came through story, which is the best form of hypnosis. There's a quote by Aristotle or someone that says, he who controls the narrative controls the people or he who controls the something, something along those lines. But story is incredibly powerful. So I'd be just curious your thoughts on just kind of taking the world as it is and then moving into an empowered space because those who just say, no, it doesn't exist. They're doing things that are ending up harming them by staying in a state of ignorance. Yeah, that's what, again, solution is always going to be understanding, understanding how all this works. When you understand how your mind, so many people don't understand how their mind works. We have such an incredible understanding how our body works, like down to like the the little tiny nephrons within inside your, your kidney and down to that. We have specialists for that as a nephrologist. That's like one component of the kidney, right? We, we know more and more about little less and less. I love what you said about the, I've been, I say this all the time too, man. Dude, you and I, I, I can't imagine us sitting down and watching like just some <laughs> normal blockbuster film. Like it would have, it would take a good six hours to get through an hour and a half film. Cause we'd be pausing and having to, do you see that? You see what they're doing there? You see how, right? Yeah. Wife doesn't I'm, like to watch movies with me. I'll pause and be like, See that chemtrail there? Little things too, how they, this is what I've been noticing lately too. But first, let me address what you're saying, man, about the, the bigger governance, governance gets the less accountability. That's always going to be the case. And that's why government's always a failure. They have zero accountability and a great, hate, hate the guy or like the guy. Um, that Trump guy, he, he shined a light on a lot of stuff. He brought to the surface a lot of it was like humanity had to look in the mirror with this guy. And I thought it was like that showed me the face of humanity because I, I really appreciated what he exposed. And that was um, just by being who he is. I've traveled to so, I don't know how many countries now, like all over Southeast Asia, Japan, Brazil, South America. Um, I've lived all over the U.S., uh, been to Egypt, South Africa. I'm going back to Egypt again this September, all throughout Europe. And I can tell you, man, Matthew, I've never went anywhere in the world where because I like to talk about uh, politics and human nature. Never have I met someone go, oh, yeah, man, our politicians are great. Love the politician. No, never. Every one of them, 100%, without exception, is like, we need to get these guys are all crooked. They're all crooks. We need someone in there that's accountable. They all share that same thing. And then we get someone in there who's not a lifelong politician, a guy who's actually a business owner who understands like, like your household or a bit my business. I'm held accountable immediately by the market. Government has zero accountability, right? So you have all these like career politicians, 40, 50 years in politics. Then comes along some guy that has never even been on the city council. Not even a mayor, governor, representative, Senate, nothing. Just boom, I'm the president. And the world hates him. Unanimously hates the embodiment of the thing they wanted. And he gets replaced with one of the most career politics, like someone who's been in politics for 50 years. People beg for one thing. Get it. Well, no, let's just go back. It was kind of what you were saying earlier. They just, they don't want to change. Let's get things back to the way they are. Uh, all because of some mean tweets or whatever. 
you know, I don't, I'm not like for or against Trump or any, any politician for that matter. Um, he was unanimous, almost like unanimously loved until he announced his presidency. And then he was un unanimously hated. That, 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 that illustrates the power, like Malcolm X said, that the media, the newspapers, they can, they can have you like love your worst enemy and hate your best ally. It's, it's freaking crazy, to be honest. I thought that was, yeah, for me, yeah. a good illustration of where humanity they don't know what they want they don't understand that hey this system's broke it's okay someone comes along this we need something to fix it well i don't like that it's it's a change yeah i think the man, whole my house go ahead man uh, i was gonna say the whole system needs to change right i don't think we're gonna get the solutions through yeah. government and politics it needs to be a reimagining uh the whole trump thing you know i remember when he got into office i just laughed i thought it was hilarious i did you know i didn't i never i'm a canadian i didn't care i was like this is hilarious like what does this yeah. mean um you know and unless you hated him you're a racist so if i don't say trump's yeah. the worst guy ever you hate but you, <laughs> you could all the outright lies and you look at a uh, project veritas and what they're exposing um you know but as a canadian when i look at the american system it's the best system that i'm aware of in the world because they have all these checks and balances to uh preserve their freedom where a lot of other countries don't have that a lot of countries in the past got disarmed and then massacred and that's something yeah. that i you know looked at as a kid i didn't understand why we had war and starvation which is why i learned about all of these kind of nefarious intent i'm like oh they're architecting this so what's the best system we have in place right now it is the united states along the world because they're the last uh, nation in the world that can defend their own property that can defend themselves yeah. and so you're seeing this attempt at a global power while well, you need to take out the pit bull you need to take out the mike tyson because they have all the tools even if we corrupt your government and we have that canada's government's bought and paid for many other governments are bought and paid for you can come in and just take their things well the problem with the united states is a lot of these guys have guns and they can protect themselves <laughs> so how do we just take their things which we, we want to do well we can crash the economy we can do this and this we can control all their media which has been exposed for those who have eyes to see and the solution i feel like is going to come at the community level with people like you and I, uh, who are just standing in our um, own like honor and our own dignity and our own authenticity, willing to have a conversation, but not willing to bend the knee to something that we find to be uh, egregious or wrong with our own internal uh, world, then we're going to be moving to uh, a different place. So yeah. I feel like it's going to kind of split and those who want to make that choice, they're, they're willing to, but I'm, I don't have to make it. Right. It's yeah. like it's like going out, like using an umbrella is like your umbrella not work unless I have one, too. Like, just <laughs> I'm just the rain doesn't frighten me. You know, I'm just going to go out there. Their logic is is just so absurd. It's it's outrageous. It's, yeah, it's absent, to be honest. There is there is no logic behind it. The um, it's, I love what you said about America. I, it's here in Europe, man. This is a real tough discussion. Like people don't like there's there's such an aversion to to guns. Like the media is so successfully convinced everyone that like America is just a bunch of gun toting uh, lunatics. And what I think people, I hear this all the time, anti-gun. You're not anti-gun because if you were, you wouldn't want the government to have them either. What it is, is you're like specific on who gets the guns. So the very same governments who you, like, like I said, everywhere I went in the world, everyone's like, all oh, these politicians are crap, blah, blah, sort of. Yeah, but you're okay with them being protected by men with guns and they give orders to the men's with guns. You just don't want everyone else to have guns to defend themselves. That is how successful the media programming is. 
right? They're not, everyone thinks they're all anti-gun. You're not, you're just very selective on who gets the guns. And what's interesting is that the very institutions that they know are corrupt and need to be overhauled are the ones they're okay with having the guns. And so that's an astute observation, what you made about America. It's so true um, that a lot of the, a lot of the people there have guns. I think Switzerland is very much the same. They're, I think they their government may even issue them guns at some point. Like really, I thought Switzerland was was bad. Maybe maybe they're good. I don't know. Sweden, I'm not, I'm not European. Sweden, I think Sweden Sweden is uh, pre, yeah pretty socialist. I would say like like most of these other countries here. It's like there's and to be honest, Matt, like. I am totally for like everyone being able to holster a weapon and carry a gun or the freedom to, I don't, I don't carry a gun. I don't have a desire for a gun. I know I accept the responsibilities of not have, if everyone have one and I didn't, I accept those responsibilities. I'm just not into guns, never have been, but man, will I defend the right for people to have guns and carry guns so long as there are government agents carrying them around. Yeah, and 100%. I think, I think and, that's the big distinction. Oh, sorry, keep keep going. Finish your thought. Yeah, it was because I was off track. I wanted to address exactly <laughs> what you're saying. We really need to do this again. I, I'm gonna sure. air it. Yeah. <laughs> There's another podcast, another podcast I did that was very like it was super cool, just like yours. And I think if you two did a podcast together, it would be mind-blowing because he's Perfect. he's also really cool, <laughs> just like your style too. It's so organic, and we're just chatting. Um what you're saying, but like, I personally think if the whole system is overhauled, it, it doesn't have to be some violent revolution. Like what you said, just guys like us having a reasonable discussion, trying to reach an understanding. We may not agree on everything, but do we respect each other's freedom of choice so long as we don't like try to impose our will over one another? That If that understanding reached more and more and more people, especially the agents of the state, the ones that defend the the I would say corrupt elite or nefarious malevolent forces above, then it, it, this would just cease to exist. There, there doesn't need to be some violent revolution. The only reason that violence is still around is because people are still sucked into that mob mentality. They, they're not thinking for themselves. Like no, no sane person would get up and like fire their weapon and try to murder other people in cold blood that they've never met, never had a discussion with, don't know anything about, don't know their position, but this is what soldiers do, right? They're trained to go to another country and fire deadly weapons at people they've never met that they may even like, love, get along with, hang out with like you or get along like you and I, I just met you. And this is, seriously one of the best podcasts i've done the other one is uh i'm going to introduce you to that guy you guys will do a great one for sure <laughs> but that's i that's why i also love this uh, podcast man like you're highly informed you understand what you're talking about and you're open to new ideas for some people that just um yeah what was it you were saying this earlier i thought it was such a good point matt um oh yeah some people just can't believe that it's like it would be that bad or that someone would do that and we've heard this same saying, like, we see the world as we are, not as it is. So most people think, because they would never do something nefarious, that, well, our government officials wouldn't do that. Well, I wouldn't use heroin, but there are plenty of people using heroin. I wouldn't murder, but there are plenty of murderers. I wouldn't rape, but there are plenty of rapists. 
right? I wouldn't set policies that injure the elderly and the, and the low income, but there are politicians that do this. I wouldn't do this or this or this for a million dollars. That doesn't mean there aren't people doing that same thing for billions. It's so crazy that people can't understand this. They, it's the, I think it's a protective mechanism. They're like, um, oh, you're a conspiracy. The people, man, people have been conspiring together since the beginning of time. High school students in America, like, hey, I, I don't like Matt. Let's all not like Matt together for, for the most ridiculous reason, right? Now put trillions of dollar on the dollars on the line, and I'll tell you what. Let's do this and this together to ensure, like, it's not about, hey, let's all ignore Matt. It's something bigger. Like, people have been conspiring for a long, long time. There's nothing new. To deny it is uh, absolute ignorance, man. But by the etymology of the word, you are ignoring facts. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. I learned that one from the Law Summit as well because we go through the definite definitions. You know, is ignoring ignorance. You're just ignoring this. You're not addressing it. So how are we going to seek the truth? And the gun uh, debate is a huge one, right? Because it goes back to war. And I, I never liked war. It doesn't make any sense. And I liked your point. I think it's the most valid one. Is the government can't be the only one with the weapons because they can't be trusted. Right. right. There's people that can't be trusted. That's the issue. I, I would love to see a world where it is peaceful. And my Native American teacher, what he said, he said, the next upgrade for humanity is peace. And I love that. And I love the day. Like, I don't have one if I was in the States. You know, right now, I'd be happy to be living in the States with a Gatling gun and a bunch <laughs> of grenades and a couple goats. And you know, minding my own business, so yeah. you don't, you know, take away my free will. Which it seems like this, you know, there's a certain set of people who want to do that. And you look at uh, martial arts and warriors and uh, just a good-natured human being. The last thing they want to do is move to violence. Yeah, right? they don't want to be that person. Right. They're forced into that position. And this has happened over time. We have their circumstances over this world through history where the government has taken away the guns of the people and then massacred them. This has happened yeah. repeatedly. So we know we can't trust them and we want to move toward um, these solutions. And we have to get rid of the government. We have to get rid of media. We have to give, get rid of all these institutions that are architecting these philosophies, worldviews and ways of being that create harm. And yeah. how do we do that? No idea, but it starts at the individual choice. And then you meet with other people um, and ideally you'll create your own solutions. But I don't think this yeah. is going to be like, there's the World Health Organization that might have nefarious intent and then the World Happiness Organization. I don't think <laughs> we're going to have that. I think it's going to be a split where people do get to make their choice. And my kind of deduction for the whole thing is it's a spiritual life and it's a spiritual existence and we can only play the first character and we yeah. observe this thing that's so far beyond who we are and what we could even cost possibly comprehend we're always learning and then shedding old things if you're willing to grow learning yeah. new and coming to new paradigms but like this greater thing you know will you die on your car will you get a heart attack whatever that's going to be something greater so who are we through our choices uh through how we observe through how we operate and through the decisions we make and i feel like that's what's going to define you know how we navigate this life and when we pass because the greater thing is like holy smokes if i could you know when i worked on human trafficking if i could push the button to stop it i would it's so great and it's so atrocious and so awful it's heartbreaking if i could push the button on stopping war i would do it and it just makes yeah. you feel kind of helpless but you know i'm not 
creating this world. I can only bring the power back to my own world and the decisions that I make and what I choose to do with my life. Then I back into an empowered space, then a disempowered one being like, oh my goodness, it's so awful. I can barely even um, go on. And then you have the flip side where people just ignore the whole thing and they think everything's hunky dory and they're just yeah. participating <laughs> in this thing through, you know, ignorance and participation. You know, you said like you, you said, I can't create this news, but I, th- I think, I think you are like, the, I think you said, oh, we can't dismantle, we need to dismantle these things and these systems for everything to get better. I think like Buckminster Fuller said, said it best, like, we don't need to destroy that stuff. We just need to build something else. And like, as much as I would love to, but I think it's more out of spite, <laughs> like, I would love to remove like some of these forms of government, remove these corrupt uh, legacy media and so-called journalists uh, that, um, just remove these institutions. But ultimately we don't need to remove them. We just need the freedom and the courage to build something in its place. Because if people are searching for certainty and they practice understanding, they're going to draw these conclusions anyway. They're going to be drawn to this anyway. They will leave that rotten fruit on the ground where it belongs. They will abandon, which by the way, look at CNN. They're like, their viewership is just gone, gone. Like the more, like you said, Project Veritas, Veritas, that guy living in integrity, working, he's creating something. I think you, you're creating this podcast. I mean, come on, look at this. So, and it's, it may not be like this world, but it's brick by brick. Rome wasn't built in a day, right? So I think you are creating uh, something. I know I, when I wrote the book, I, I'm convinced I am. It's just, I know it's just not a revolution or anything, but it's just another, another, another brick in a great road for, for this new system. Like James O'Keefe's doing it. I, I'm trying to do it with the book and this, uh, the Trivium. You're doing it with an amazing, this is, dude, this is a great podcast, by the way. I, you got a new, you got a new listener. Um, and I'll get you in touch. The guy, I think, I don't know if I'll plug his thing on here if you want. It's up yeah, to you. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and I, I didn't think you did, man. You're so, like, it'd be the same for him. Uh, it was, I forget, I think it was um, The Fifth Dimension with Evan. I can't remember his last name right now, but it's called The Fifth Dimension with Evan. And he's got the same free form as you and he's down all sorts of rabbit holes and uh, also a great, interesting dude, man. I I'd, like, I would, I want to tune in to you guys having a chat that for me would be fantastic, man. Well, sounds good. I'll look him up after the show and, and I really appreciate what you said at the end. Well, thanks for the kind words mm-hmm. to me, but that little, we're all doing our piece to build it. And that's what we are responsible for. You did that piece with your book and how you walk your life. It's an offering that will continue to, you know, manifest in your way of being day to day and something that people can pick up, uh, pick up. You're, you're kind of like, um, not making your mark in the stand, but standing for something, you know, you know, offering it to the, to the world of, of what you're standing for and who you are and what you believe in. And that's, that's all that's required is participation. And, uh, you know, for us to move towards peace and move towards solutions, it's going to require uh, participation. And then also that uh, understanding side of like this continuous listening and seeking the truth, not seeking to be right, but seeking the truth, seeking understanding. And when we do that, we're going to continue to evolve in beautiful ways. But if we try to enforce and stay the same and control things, it's not going to work for anyone. And I don't think, you know, when I even think about that, there's no way that this works because that never works. And your analogy of holding a ball under is just uh, the most uh, uh, astute. I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Nature, yeah, relevant or pertinent or concise. I don't know. So many different <laughs> All words. Those words. Words are important. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, man, nature seeks balance. And right now it's definitely, we're living out of balance. And great. I don't know if you've ever read this book. I would recommend it too. Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of it. Uh, is that, I've, I think I've heard of it. Oh, bro, Matthew, you're going to love this book, man. Um, it's probably, I've never, no one that I've recommended the book to and who's actually read it is like, ah, it was okay. No, they all love it. it. It does such a good job of the discernment between nature and culture and how far we, like our culture is just so, at this point, it's so far removed from nature. This is the point he's making in the book that there's just no, there's no recourse at this point. It's just, we have to wait till utter collapse to build something new is the case he makes. But it's also where I first heard the term uh, mother, mother culture. You know, we're all familiar with the term mother nature, but when he brought that, it's like, yeah, we're all born and from nature, mother nature, but we're all adopted and raised by mother culture. Like this is our adoptive parent or our adoptive mother. And, that the, the oh you'll love the book and it's like an allegorical fiction you know uh you'll love it daniel quinn two ends with quinn ishmael so good bro i put well i appreciate that suggestion i put it in the show notes where everybody else can check it out too uh man this has been a pleasure i could talk to you all day and we'll definitely have yeah. to do another one uh is sure. there anything else that you think is relevant anything that you want to discuss before we end this or and make sure you know where people can find you but this has been great. We'll pick it up on the next. I chatting with you is great, man. I wish you lived down the road for me, to be honest. <laughs> you don't get these kind of conversations all the time. Um, however, I, I'm sure you realize it with the podcast, like the more we speak and talk about the things we know and understand that we draw those people to us. So I really enjoy these kind of conversations. I, and more and more of them come to me when I'm brave enough to speak up and speak out. And you're, oh, I'm interested in that. And then you get people engaged and they have those discussions too. I'm sure that's the same same as you. But anything else to talk about? My God, I think you and I could go probably another four hours. So I think we just pick it up on another call. If people want to know more about my book, it's real easy. You just go to restoringreason.com. That's it. And there you can download like the first chapter for free and see if it's for you. If not, cool. If so, then I think you can order it from that site too. And also if anyone want to get in touch with me or have one of these great discussions, dude, I'm just looking forward to our next discussion. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, I we'll appreciate your time. About next time. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate your time and for taking action and writing the book. And I loved a lot of the analogies you share, but like doing each of our piece, wherever we are, maybe it's just to be a good parent uh, or a good member of our community, or there's something that inspires us to take action, to create that solution that, you know, we're always, we're the most adaptive creatures in the world. And we have divine spark spirit within us where we're being led and we're being cooperative with nature and all of life and things that are not cooperative with life and nature. They're the ones who end up getting harmed, maybe not in the short term, but in the long term. So um, I just appreciate everything you shared and invite people to check out your website and your book. And thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Matt, man. Take care, bud. All right. My pleasure. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. Peace. 
there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely fantastic Travis Corcoran. I hope that you enjoyed that show. And if you did, please share the episode, leave a review in uh, iTunes. All that helps, you know, anything to get the word out there, I sincerely appreciate. If you want to become a member at mattbelair.com and get access to exclusive content, you can do it like a Patreon, or if you want it for free, just hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com. Happy to gift that to you. Um, if you want to check out any of my work, um, zenathlete.com, the, the Zen Athlete Peak Performance Program, soul compass quantum heart hypnosis it's all over on the website and if you have any questions just hit me up we'd be happy to get back to you you can always email me directly matt at zenathlete.com so that's it guys have a wonderful day i appreciate you so very much sending you all of my love and well wishes to you and your families your prayers and and, and anything i can send positive your way so thanks for listening and uh, let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this show wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, power, contentment, faith, courage, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.